It's Wednesday. That means it is time for Wrestling with Theology. This is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for tuning in this week as we go into the confessional corner. This week we have one of the most controverted articles in the Lutheran Reformation, especially when it comes down to Lutherans versus anybody, whether it's the Roman Church on the one side, the Anabaptists on another, Zwingli, Calvin, you name it. This is the article that everything comes to a head in. This is Article 24 of the Augsburg Confession on the Mass. Now, when we come to the Mass, many people think that it's just the belief in what is actually happening on the altar at that time that causes the difference between Lutherans, Catholics, the Reformed, the non-denominationals, and all of that. But really, this becomes just the springboard for all the rest of the abuses that the Reformers, especially Melanchthon in the Augsburg Confession, is having against the Roman Church. Unlike previous episodes where I have taken paragraph by paragraph and had my comments in there, I'm just going to read Article 24 in its entirety and then give my thoughts on it afterwards. Now, in my pocket edition of the Concordia of the Lutheran Confessions, this takes up four pages, so this is a lengthy article. But again, as I said, this is the springboard for many of the other articles in the Augsburg Confession. So, Article 24 of the Augsburg Confession on the Mass. Our churches are falsely accused of abolishing the Mass. The Mass is held among us and celebrated with the highest reverence. Nearly all the usual ceremonies are also preserved, except that the parts sung in Latin are interspersed here and there with German hymns. These have been added to teach the people. For ceremonies are needed for this reason alone, that the uneducated be taught what they need to know about Christ. Not only has Paul commanded that a language understood by the people be used in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 9, but human law has also commanded it. All those able to do so partake of the sacrament together. This also increases the reverence and devotion of public worship. No one is admitted to the sacrament without first being examined. The people are also advised about the dignity and the use of the sacrament, about how it brings great consolation to anxious consciences so that they too may learn to believe God and to expect and ask from him all that is good. This worship pleases God. Such use of the sacrament nourishes true devotion toward God. Therefore, it does not appear that the Mass is more devoutly celebrated among our adversaries than among us. It is clear that for a long time the most public and serious complaint among all good people is that the Mass has been made base and profane by using it to gain filthy wealth. Everyone knows how great this abuse is in all the churches. They know what sort of men say Masses for a fee or an income, and how many celebrate these Masses contrary to canon law. Paul severely threatens those who use the Eucharist in an unworthy manner. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11:27. Therefore, when our priests were warned about this sin, private masses were discontinued among us, since hardly any private masses were celebrated except for the sake of filthy gain. The bishops were not ignorant of these abuses. If they had corrected them in time, there would now be less discord. 
but until now they have been responsible for many corruptions seeping into the church. Now, when it is too late, they begin to complain about the church's troubles. This disturbance has been caused simply by those abuses that were so open that they could no longer be tolerated. There have been great disagreements about the Mass, that is, the sacrament. Perhaps the world is being punished for profaning the Mass for such a long time and for tolerating this in the churches for so many centuries by the very men who were both able and duty-bound to correct the situation. It is written in the Ten Commandments, The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Exodus 20, verse 7. But since the world began, nothing that God ever ordained seems to have been so abused for filthy wealth as the Mass. An opinion was added that infinitely increased private masses. It states that Christ, by his passion, made satisfaction for original sin and instituted the Mass as an offering for daily sins, both venial and mortal. From this opinion has arisen the common belief that the Mass takes away the sins of the living and the dead simply by performing the outward act. Then they began to argue about whether one Mass said for many is worth as much as special Masses for individuals. This resulted in an infinite number of Masses. With this work, people wanted to obtain from God all that they needed, and in the meantime, trust in Christ and true worship were forgotten. Our teachers have warned that these opinions depart from the Holy Scripture and diminish the glory of the passion of Christ. For Christ's passion was an offering and satisfaction, not only for original guilt, but also for all other sins. As it is written, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10.10 Also, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Hebrews 10.14 It is an unheard of innovation in the church to teach that by his death, Christ has made satisfaction only for original sin and not for all other sin. So it is hoped that everybody will understand that this error has been rebuked for good reason. Scripture teaches that we are justified before God through faith in Christ when we believe that our sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. Now if the Mass takes away the sins of the living and the dead simply by performing it, justification comes by doing Masses and not of faith. Scripture does not allow this. But Christ commands us, do this in remembrance of me, Luke twenty-two nineteen. Therefore the Mass was instituted so that those who use the sacrament should remember in faith the benefits they receive through Christ and how their anxious consciences are cheered and comforted. To remember Christ is to remember his benefits. It means to realize that they are truly offered to us. It is not enough only to remember history. The Jewish people and the ungodly also remember this. Therefore, the Mass is to be used for administering the sacrament to those that need consolation. Ambrose says, Because I always sin, I always need to take the medicine. Because the Mass is for the purpose of giving the sacrament, we have communion every holy day, and if anyone desires the sacrament, we also offer it on other days, when it is given to all who ask for it. This custom is not new in the Church. The Fathers before Gregory make no mention of any private Mass, but they speak a lot about the common Mass, communion. Chrysostom says that the priest stands daily at the altar, inviting some to the communion and keeping back others. It appears from the ancient council decisions that one person celebrated the Mass from whom all the other presbyters and deacons received the body of the Lord. The records of the decisions of the Council of Nicaea state let the deacons, according to their order, receive the Holy Communion after the presbyters from the bishop or from a presbyter. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11.33, has this command in regard to communion. Wait for one another, so that there may be a common participation. Therefore, since the Mass among us follows the example of the Church, taken from the Scripture and the Fathers, we are confident that it cannot be disapproved. 
This is especially so because we keep the public ceremonies, which are for the most part similar to those previously in use. Only the number of masses differs. Without a doubt, these might be reduced in a helpful way because of very great and clear abuses. For in older times, even in churches attended the most often, the Mass was not celebrated every day as the tripartite history, Book 9, Chapter 33, testifies. In Alexandria, every Wednesday and Friday the scriptures are read and the doctors expound them, and all things are done except the solemn rite of communion. So far, the Augsburg Confession, Article 24. The papists falsely accused the Reformers of abolishing the Mass. Actually, the Lutheran Reformers held the Mass in greater reverence than in even the most solemn Roman ceremonies. The greatest reverence in the Lutheran churches was the removing of the pagan, even satanic elements of the Roman Mass. In this article, all the other abuse articles, Articles 22 through 28, are combined into its primary source. The biggest accusation from the papist about the abolition of the Mass came from it not being done completely in Latin. Luther began his reforms to the divine service by bringing in German hymns so that the congregation would be able to learn what is happening in the service. Very few of the laity understood Latin. Luther wanted to remove all barriers between God and the layperson, just as Jesus did when the temple curtain ripped in two at his death. Matthew 27, 51. Admission to the sacrament was only allowed after the Christian had been examined, including education in the reason to receive the sacrament. This is the reason for putting the reception of the sacrament after confirmation class. The sacrament should only be received after a lengthy time of catechesis. The practice of early communion before confirmation is also acceptable, assuming that the catechesis precedes acceptance to the altar rail. The reformers wanted to make sure that the communicants who came to the rail knew why they were there and what they were receiving. The Lutheran Mass requires the presence of the congregation. The Roman Mass only required the presence of the priest. With the advent of private Masses, mostly done for a fee, the congregation was no longer necessary to be present for the Mass. By the Reformation, side chapels were built alongside the sanctuary. These side chapels were primarily for the recitation of private Masses. By the time of the Reformation, it would not be uncommon for multiple Masses to be said in a cathedral at any one time, at any time of day. These private Masses became a great money-making scheme as the Pope and others brought into play deliverance of shortened time and purgatory through the recitation of such Masses. Lutherans believe the Mass was instituted so that those who used the sacrament should remember in faith the benefits they received through Christ and how their anxious consciences are cheered and comforted. Paragraph 30. There is no point in the saying of a Mass in the Lutheran congregation if the congregation does not receive it. Jesus gave the Mass to his church so that they might receive his gifts. Therefore he said, Take, eat, and drink of it, all of you. In the 16th century, the Mass was offered among Lutheran congregations every Sunday as well as every Holy Day. In the 17th century, the Pietist movement in Germany all but eliminated the reception of the sacrament and the idea that faith was about me and God. This isn't a 20th century invention. The 20th century evangelicals borrowed this idea from the Pietist. Since faith is a completely personal thing, it doesn't require congregational meetings or external items like the sacraments. Therefore, you have Christians such as Baptists and non-denominationals who hardly ever receive communion. 
The frequent reception of the sacrament is necessary for the Christian. It is not primarily for the priest saying the liturgy. It is for the Christian who receives it in his or her mouth for the forgiveness of her sins. Communion is the most important thing in the entire divine service. And I encourage you, especially if you are a Lutheran listening to this, to be in service every time communion is offered. And if it is not offered every Sunday, talk to your pastor about it. See why it is not being offered. Communion is the medicine that gives us the forgiveness of sins. Not because it is done by itself, but because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, who gives his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. This is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you once again for being here for Wrestling with Theology. I encourage you to come back next week, but may God bless you as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen.